Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. Last week, we began a, a new series called Trust. And I have to say that God's timing is just simply amazing. I told you last week that, that so many of you came to me and just said, that's my word for the year. That's what God is speaking to me right now. And that's amazing how God works that out in our lives. And, and uh, Jeremiah 17 and 7 says, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. The first week, we talked about surface trust. And I told you surface trust is flaky. There's too many Christians that have surface trust. It provides no protection to what is underneath. And too many Christians believe in a God that they simply just don't trust. Outside, we look, act, talk like a believer. But inside, we're full of doubt and fear. We looked at Numbers chapters 13 and 14 where Israel wouldn't trust God at his word. Even though he had promised them the land, they wouldn't take him at his word. The reward was great, but the risk seemed greater. And because of that, they missed out on a promise. A whole generation had to die off before they could experience the promised land. Faith is not leaning on what you know. Faith is trusting God even when it doesn't make sense. Then last week, we talked about what to do when God lets you down. We looked at Matthew chapter 14 and Mark chapter 6 when Jesus intentionally sent the disciples into the storm while he was alone praying on a mountaintop. But when Jesus looked down and saw them struggling in the storm... The Bible says he came walking on water to them. I've come to realize that God always ascends higher than your problems, but he never loses sight of you in the storm. Jesus told Peter to come to him on the water, and Peter got out of the boat and was moving in the right direction towards Jesus. But for a brief moment, humanity set in, and he took his eyes off of Jesus, and he focused on the wind and the waves, and that's when he began to sink. And I told you, sometimes God sets you up for the fall, but it's a trust fall. God sets you up for the trust fall, and part of your faith journey is learning to trust God in the fall. But as soon as Peter said, Lord, save me, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him. So the first week was about surface trust. Last week was about the trust fall. And today I want to speak to you on the subject, the trust fund. Days like today are not easy for me. I told the praise team earlier and I told our prayer team earlier to pray for me, but also to pray for you. I don't particularly like teaching on money. It's not something that I do often. It's not that I don't believe in what I'm saying. I, I completely believe in what I'm going to share with you today. I've been tithing since I was 14 years old and landed my first job. I don't regret one penny that has ever been given to God because God has always been faithful but I learned at a young age to trust God with my finances. It's just that prosperity preachers enjoy manipulating people when it comes to finances. And I don't. I don't. And, and today I don't want to manipulate you. And so, so bear with me. As I, I'm not going to lie, as I preach God's word, but I struggle through this some. Because I don't want anyone in the room to misconstrue what I'm trying to accomplish here. There was this man that had a heart attack and he was rushed to the hospital and his doctor told his family and said listen he needs rest he needs very little visitors 
And, and we just need him to stay calm. No excitement. Excitement can kill him. Well, while he was in the hospital, his uncle died and left him a million dollars. And the family was in a dilemma. They needed to tell him, you're now a millionaire. But they didn't want him to get too excited. And so they called the preacher. And they had the preacher come down to the hospital. And, and they said, can you break it to him in, in a calm way? Can you share this news with him? We need him to stay calm. And the preacher said, I, I, I think I can. And so the preacher went into his hospital room and was visiting with the man. And in the middle of the conversation, the preacher finally got around to the question. And, and the question was this. The preacher asked him, he said, what would you do? If you inherited a million dollars and the man said well I would give half of it to the church and the preacher dropped dead <laughs> I know that there is a stigma that all pastors want is your money I know that I know that some of you walked into this room today and, and you've been raised in, in, in an atmosphere that has brought distrust and so I get it I know the stigma is there. And I hate that assumption because I do know that it's true of some pastors and some churches. If you're one of those people that would rather have a root canal than hear the pastor preach about money, chances are today is for you. And so before you check out, before you have this, this block and mentally you don't want to hear what I have to say, all I'm asking you is just to open your heart and your mind and let God's word speak to you. It's on a day like today that I have to apologize to our media team and tell them in advance, I'm sorry for all the scripture, but anytime I'm going to preach on finances, I am going to back it up. And so today you're going to be bombarded with a lot of verses. And then we'll get to our main text towards the end, but I want to get through this so that I can get to an illustration that I want to show you. I need you to understand me clearly. Every year our church ends up in the black, and this is a combination of, of, of a few things. One, it's God's faithfulness first and foremost. I know that. God is faithful to this church. Combined with good management through our staff and our administrative council, there's a lot of accountability when it comes to our finances, and I'm thankful for that. And it's also the faithful givers who trust God with their finances, which includes so many of you. You see, you've got to understand that there are core givers in this church that financially they trust the Word of God. And these people, they will continue to meet the needs and allow us to do ministry. Whether you buy in or not, they get it. And so I don't want you to think that this church is after your money today. You really need to, to just get that out of your head. Flush it out of your mind because God doesn't need your money. And so many of you, that, that's the mindset that you have when it comes to money. God, God wants my money, but, but he's, he's using humans and humans error. And, and I just don't think I can trust that. Understand, God doesn't need your money. This church doesn't need your money. However, you need to give. It's more about you than it is anybody else. Because I believe that your greatest financial blessings are dependent upon your trust in God. And so many of us, we will trust him with our souls. We will. We've trusted him with our souls. We've given our hearts to Christ. But we won't trust him with our finances. Even though his word speaks of it over and over and over. In Luke 6 and 38, Jesus said these words. He said, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Listen to 2 Corinthians 9 and 6. 
says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. In other words, in the amount that you give is the amount of the blessing that is going to take place in your life. You see, God has already determined how he wants to bless you and your financial blessings from this point on are now dependent on you and your trust in God or your lack of trust in God. Get this, there are more than 500 verses in the Bible concerning prayer and everybody in this room knows prayer is important to the Christian faith. 500 verses concerning prayer. There are nearly 500 verses concerning faith. Faith is important. But there are more than 2,000 verses on the subject of money and possessions. That's, that's quite a contrast there. That God wants to stress it to us that much. Listen to this. Of the 38 parables that Jesus taught, 16 of them were about money. More than any other subject, Jesus taught on money when it came to the parables that he told. Whether we like it or not, church, money is clearly on God's mind and how we handle money reveals volumes about our priorities and our trust. There was a man that was walking down a dark street and all of a sudden there was a thief that jumped out and, 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 with a gun and he said, give me all your money. And the man replied, hey, you can't do this to me. I'm a United States congressman. And the thief replied, oh, okay, okay, give me all my money. How many of you know that our hope is not in Washington? You know that, right? It doesn't matter who is in office. It doesn't matter if the economy takes a dive or not. When it comes to blessing his children, God is not concerned with politics or the economy. However, he is concerned with your heart. And it really is a heart issue. And God is deeply concerned with that. Proverbs 3 and 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. Your own understanding says, I can't afford to give. Matthew 6 and 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. The use of the phrase, in God we trust on U.S. currency, first appeared in 1864. You see, it was, it was uh, Salmon P. Chase, President Lincoln's Secretary of the Treasury in the middle of the Civil War. He received this letter from a Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania pastor uh, requesting some recognition of God in, in a national motto. And so they decided that they were going to put that phrase, in God we trust, on coins. The phrase finally found its way onto all U.S. currency in the thick of the Cold War. As part of the cultural war on godless communism, a 1955 con congressional vote elected to place the motto on all U.S. currency. But today, that phrase is under heavy scrutiny. Just last year, there was a Sacramento-based emergency room doctor that filed a lawsuit seeking to remove all references to God from U.S. currency. In his lawsuit, he argued that the motto, In God We Trust, places a substantial burden on atheists. No, your substantial burden is that you simply don't trust God. Maybe you remember this guy's first attempt at religious freedom legislation because in 2004 he gained notoriety for, for his attempt to remove the phrase under God from the Pledge of Allegiance. So this guy wants in God we trust removed from our money. It's so ironic to me that the toughest place for a person to trust God 
is in their finances. And that's the very thing that actually says, in God we trust. Most income studies show that the average household income is approximately $51,000 a year. So that means over a 40-year career, that's $2,040,000 that a person will make over a 40-year career. That means that's 2,040,000 opportunities for a person to trust God. However, God only says, I want 10% of that. And so you have to ask yourself, do I trust God? Do I really trust God? In Exodus 23 and 19, it says, bring the best of the first fruits of your soul to the house of the Lord your God. Proverbs 3 and 9, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Exodus 13 and 12, you shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb, all the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. You see, God wants your first. He wants your first fruit. He wants the firstborn of the, of the flock. He wants first. God deserves first. And God does not want what is left over. And he's not asking you to do something that he hasn't already done. You see, Jesus was God's firstborn. And John 3.16 tells it all. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You see, it tells us right there, God is a giver. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave. Gave. For God so loved the world that he gave God as a giver and he created us in his image and he longs for us to be like him, to duplicate what he does and he's called us to be givers. And not only did God give his firstborn, the amazing part of that whole thing to me is that he gave his firstborn in faith before we ever believed. Romans 5 and 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He gave his first fruits in faith, in hopes, believing that we one day would put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We have to give our first fruits offering, our tithe, in the same way. Before we see the blessings of God, we've got to learn to give it in faith. There was this farmer that went into the house one day to tell his wife and family some good news. He said, the cow had twins, one red, one white. And he said, we must dedicate one of these calves to the Lord. He said, we'll raise them up together. We'll bring them up together. And when the time comes, we'll sell one and, and we'll keep the proceeds for that. And then we'll sell the other and we'll give the proceeds to the Lord's work. And his wife asked him, she said, well, well which one will be ours and which one will be the Lord's? And he says, we're not going to worry about that right now. We'll treat them both the same. We'll raise them both the same. And when the time comes, we'll know. A few days later, he entered into the kitchen looking very unhappy. And his wife said, what happened? And the man said, I've got some very bad news. The Lord's calf is dead. <laughs> In biblical times, when a firstborn lamb was born to your flock, you didn't know how many more that, sh that sheep was going to produce. 
But God didn't tell them to let it produce nine and then give him the tenth. God said the first one is mine. See, some of you have been faithful givers and you're wondering what's going on. God, I'm not quite seeing it yet. But you haven't learned the concept and even the spiritual principle of first fruits. God doesn't want leftovers. I'm a lot like God. I don't like leftovers out of my refrigerator. I just don't. I don't. God doesn't like, he doesn't care for leftovers. God wants what's first. And tithing is about giving to God before you know if you have enough. It wouldn't be faith if it was the other way around. If you go and pay all the bills first and see what you have left over, that's not faith at all. If you pay all the bills and then go out and buy yourself that nice purse and, and then give God what's left over, that's not faith. The word for tithe in the, in the Bible literally means tenth. And get this, the number 10 represents testing all through the Bible. I'm going to give you a few examples. I've used this before, but I, I want you to grab this today. It represents testing. How many plagues were there in Egypt? In other words, how many times did God test Pharaoh's heart? How many commandments are there? In other words, in how many ways is our obedience tested? God tested Israel 10 times while they were wandering in the wilderness. God tested Jacob's heart 10 times by allowing his wages to be changed when he was working for his uncle Laban. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were tested for 10 days eating only vegetables and drinking only water instead of the royal food and wine. And then you get over to the New Testament and the pattern of testing is continued. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus teaches a parable about 10 virgins, virgins that had their preparedness tested. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10 says that some will be tested by being put in prison and persecuted for 10 days. 10 represents testing all through the Bible. And the tithe, 10%, represents the ultimate heart test for the believer. Remember Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21 that I read earlier. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You have to understand what this verse is saying. Jesus is telling us that your heart follows your treasure. In other words, whatever you invest in is what you will eventually love. Whatever you invest in is what you eventually fall in love with. So if you're not investing in your marriage, but you're investing in someone else, you'll fall in love with that. If you're not investing in your children and you're investing in your job, you will love your job more than you love your children. And if you don't invest in the kingdom of God, you will never fall in love with it. Not truly. You will not love it the way that God intends for you to love it. Because your, your heart always follows your treasure. Now I want to share with you some of the most challenging verses in the Bible out of Malachi chapter 3. Some of you know exactly where I'm heading. You've heard these verses before. But I'm just going to be honest with you. These are challenging. These are tough. But these verses today... It's going to unlock a new freedom in some of your lives. Some of you are going to get this and you're going to understand it and God is going to bless you and your home. I know that because God guarantees it right here. Malachi chapter 3, I'm going to start reading at verse 6. I love this part right here. He says, for I, the Lord, do not change. So if you're one of these people that you want to argue with me that that tithing is an Old Testament principle and not a New Testament principle, that we're under grace now. And, and that right here, God says, I, I, the Lord, I do not change. 
Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. And and the amazing thing about Jesus is that that every time there was an Old Testament law that, that was being questioned, Jesus always took it to the next level. The Old Testament said, don't commit adultery. Jesus said, if you look at a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Jesus always took it to the next level. And so right here it says, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you will say, how shall we return? And then he says these words, and this is haunting. Listen. Will man rob God, yet you are robbing me? But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. In other words, bring the whole 10%, the first fruit, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. And your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight says the Lord of hosts. So on Friday, you get your paycheck. Basically, here's what God is saying to you. I'm going to let you have a couple of them for uh, the necessities of life. You know, the groceries that you need and uh, some of the toiletries that you need in your life. I'm going to give you a a couple for that because those are things that you need. I mean, after all, a pastor can't live by bread alone. He needs hair gel, right? So (laughs) he says, I'm going to give you three to help cover that mortgage or that rent. That you have. He says, I'm also going to give to you a couple of more for that, that, that car payment that you have. He says, then I want you to take one of those and some of the things you really need in life, like TV, internet, Hulu, Netflix. I want you to you to cover it with that and then I'm going to give you one for yourself you can decide what you want to with it because if you want to save it for a rainy day then save it build you a cushion if you want to but but I'm going to give you that one if, if you want to go out and buy that purse you've been wanting or that new pair of shoes if you want to go play golf or get a pedicure this one's for you right here do whatever you want to with that one right there but this one I'm giving you this one because That one's mine, and I want you to give it back to me. I'm letting you keep this, but give this one back to me. You know the Bible says that the whole earth is his and the fullness thereof, right? This is all his. He's letting you keep this, return that one back to him. 
Next week comes around. God says, I'm going to give you two because you need some groceries and some toilet paper. Everybody needs toilet paper, right? I said everybody needs toilet paper, right? You better say amen or the next time you sit on that throne, there may not be any toilet paper. Everybody needs toilet paper, right? That's what I thought. I'm going to give you three to go towards the, the rent and the mortgage. You know, it's a... Uh, can't pay that all of one... You can't pay that with just one of my paychecks. Maybe yours, but not mine, okay? I want you to take a couple and put it towards that other car payment that you have. You take one and put it towards the internet. Maybe you can upgrade, get a faster speed or something. Here's that one that you get to do whatever you want to with. Go pamper yourself or save it for a rainy day. But this one I'm giving you, I'm giving it to you for the sole purpose of blessing me with it. Just give it back to me. All of it's mine, but I'm giving you that. This is all I want. The third week of the month rolls around and same thing. I love the rhythm of, of God and how he, same thing happens. And he says, you know, I'm going to give you two. I'll go ahead and take three more. Your kid needs a car, so there you go. I don't like the commercials on Hulu, so upgrade so you don't have commercials right there. This one, you can do whatever you want to with it. Put it in the bank if you want to, but, but just, just this one's for you. Pamper yourself. And, uh, and that, that tenth one, this is all I want. I'm giving you all that. I want that one right there. Fourth week of the month comes around. You know what happens. You know how this works out. God is so faithful to provide yet again. And he says, I'm going to go ahead and, and leave you with 90% of it. Even though it all belongs to me, I just want you to be blessed. And so there you go. But, but because you need to trust me and you need to realize that all of that comes from me, I'm giving you that 10th one because I want you to give it to me. He gives me all of that. And he only requires that I give him this. You see, tithing is not only a test for you. It's also the only area where God invites you to test him. Now be careful. Don't test God in other ways. But he invites you to test him with this. You see, this is your fun. This is the trust fund over here. And he's inviting you to test, test me in this. Listen to what he says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 again. Listen to this. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Here's the trust fund. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. But way too many people don't get this. 
Because here's what we want to do. I didn't want the shoes that I found at Ross Dress for Less. I wanted to go to DSW and buy them at full price. <laughs> and how am I going to buy them at full price? If I'm doing this every week right here. Josh, I need some help, man. Will you come here? You, you're a big old boy, and I've watched you eat before, man. Come here. What do you need, man? What do you need? What do you, what do you really want? I can use a new pair of shoes, too. A new pair of shoes? All right. Here you go, man. Will you start eating on that for me? I washed it. No, I didn't. I'm flat out lying. I didn't wash it at all. Just rub it off on your shirt. It'll be fine. Yeah. Just go ahead and eat it, man. Yeah. I've heard stories about you. <laughs> I've heard you can eat. Josh, come back up here, man. I didn't tell you to sit down. Come here. You ever ate one of these? Yeah. Come back here behind the table, man. Here we go. Here, Josh, step right back here. Go ahead and feel free to, to peel that and, and just start eating. What do you need? What do you need? Come on, man. You need a, you need a new game for your, your game system? or use a really nice phone. Really nice phone? Yeah. You need a new phone? Okay, go ahead and you can just put your, your pill in there. Go ahead, man. Peel that thing quick and just, just start eating a little bit and get that phone, man. Get that phone. <laughs> Lee, come here, Lee. Wait, you're not allergic to apples, are you? Come on up here, man. Are you allergic to green apples? Right. What do you want, man? New gun. A new gun? Yeah. A new gun. Go ahead, man. Grab that. Get, get your gun. <laughs> Don't hesitate, guys. Eat. <laughs> I like bananas. <laughs> you can't consume God's tithe and expect his blessings. The nation of Israel said, how do we rob you? And God was straightened to the point. He says, you robbed me in tithe and contributions. He says, I want the first. Not what's left over. I don't like leftovers. But we have this tendency sometimes to say, God, I want to consume your tithe, yet I still expect you to bless me. And then we give God whatever is left over after we get whatever we want. And it's not trust at all. So God, there's my banana peel. Go ahead. There you go. End up, man, you got to, here, help me, bro. You got to turn it on the side you ate. There you go. What do you have left there? Wait, wait, wait. Do you want to give it to God or do you want to eat it? It's pretty good, isn't it? Pretty good, man. It's your call right here, man. You can eat it or you can give it to God. There you go. Thank you, guys. Thank you.
cannot consume God's tithe and then expect him to bless you. Listen to Romans 11 and 16. It says, if the dough offered as first fruits is holy, if this is holy or what should be here is holy, if this is holy, so is the whole lump. So is the whole lump. It says, and if the root is holy, then so are the branches. That if you set aside, if you consecrate what God said is mine, if you give this to him, he said, I will bless all of this. And I get it. I know where you're scared. I know because it doesn't look like you're going to be able to pay all the bills. Trust me. At 14 years old, it wasn't as hard. I didn't have responsibilities. But I became a man. I became a husband. I became a father. And there comes a point in time when it just doesn't make sense. God, if I give you that or, or what I should give you, then how am I going to make ends meet? And God says, if this is holy, then this is holy. If this is blessed, then this is blessed. And I'll tell you what I have learned in my life. It is better for me to live off 90% that's blessed than 100% that's cursed. And you're wondering why. You're wondering, why, God? Why am I struggling? Why can't we get ahead? Why are we always living paycheck to paycheck? Why, God? Why am I losing my house? Why am I losing my car? Why, God? Why can I, why can I not afford to put gas in the car? Why can't I afford insurance? The number one cause for divorce is finances. Married couples, listen to me. Take that out of the equation. Mandy and I, we've never fought about finances. It's just not been on our radar of things to fight for. We fought about other things, but we've never fought about finances. Why? Because we were tithers before we were ever married. It was never an issue. Let God bless your finances and watch your marriage be restored. You've got to learn to trust God with this. For others in the room, don't go through life wondering what if. What if there's something to it? I challenge you. For one month, tithe. Give him your first fruits for one month. He has never failed me in this, ever. Every time I've ever offered that challenge to someone, he has always come through. And I challenge you, test him in this. And see if he will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and give you so much that you will not have need. God wants to bless you. He wants you to trust him. But he's a gentleman and he's not going to force his way in in this area of your life. But this is life changing. I should not be where I am in life. It shouldn't have happened to me. But for some reason, God has blessed me. And the only thing that I can put my finger on is that a 14-year-old kid working part-time at a skating ring and part-time at an ice cream shop was challenged to pay his tithe. And I did. And it was life-changing because God blessed me with more. And I've been challenged time and time and time again to be faithful with that. Scripture says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging bread. 
But you have to ask yourself, are my finances righteous? Are they holy? Are they consecrated? Are they set aside for him? And that's all he wants when it comes to your finances is for you to trust him with the first fruit. Test him in this.